We do not own our children. We are just here to help them learn to be the best versions of them. I'm Misty Seibel, your host. Welcome to Sweet Home Seibel. A few weeks ago, I asked for recommendations on my Instagram stories about what type of episodes I should do on my podcast. Between that and people talking to me in real life, I got a lot of feedback that I should talk about motherhood because I am a mom. But I'm really hesitant to talk about motherhood. And I think because of the community that social media has provided with moms, it gives a breeding ground for judgment. And it gives a breeding ground for people to judge themselves as moms. And I don't want to add to that narrative. So I really thought about this episode for a while, what I wanted to say and how I could say it. What can I say that won't offend anybody? What can I say that won't strike a chord in a certain mom? What can I say that won't sound against the type of parenting that you're doing? And I realized that those are impossible goals. So what I'm going to do is just speak on what I know, and hopefully some mom out there hears it and takes it into their life. Motherhood is so individualized, and how do I put advice out when I, personally as a mom, don't really take advice from outsiders? I feel a little imposter syndrome going on here, but we're going to talk about it nonetheless. So I guess that's a good place to start by saying that Motherhood is just a lesson in individuality. While each mom is learning a very individual lesson, moms across the board are all learning lessons. So there's got to be some commonality in there. And that's what I kind of want to pick out of motherhood as a whole. So let me ask you a question. If you're a mom and you're listening to this podcast right now, what is your child teaching you? Are you a mom that needs to learn patience? Are you a mom that needs to learn sharing, sharing of your time, of your space, of your attention? Are you a mom learning how to rewrite your idea of fun, what your new me time looks like? Are you a mom that's learning how to be gentle with your words? Or are you a mom learning how to explain life in layman's terms? Sometimes it's all of these things that moms have to go through. And sometimes we get tripped up in those things over and over and over again. Sometimes one of those things is the bane of your existence, like your patience or your sharing. So I guess you can see, based on all of those, how it's hard to give advice because different moms are learning different things. Whatever I say, it just might not be true for you as a mom, and that's totally okay. If anything that I'm saying is triggering you as a mom, maybe look into that for yourself. But I made a podcast for a reason, so I'm going to speak on it. All right, here are a few blanket concepts that I've realized through the transition of becoming a mother. Number one, you are just as much a student as you are a teacher. That will continue on for the rest of your life no matter what your age. I want to start with this because I believe that I was raised in a household where my parents were only the teachers and I was only the student. 
I couldn't teach my parents anything and they couldn't learn any new ideas. And personally, I think that children are brought to you for you to become a student. Here you are and you're raising a human being who is teaching you so much about life that if you aren't open and aware of that, you'll miss that connection. You being the teacher, them the student, and them the teacher, you the student. If you are in a tunnel vision that you are here to teach them and they are here to learn, you are going to miss half the picture. Here's an example of this. If you have a child who is trying to teach you patience, you're a student of patience and they are your teacher. Yes, it might sound like a screaming child in the middle of a restaurant and you have to keep your calm and your cool and your patience to get through it. But nonetheless, you're learning how to get through your patients. If you go to family gatherings and you're used to being the center of attention, but now your child is, you're learning how to share your attention. You're learning from your child. And maybe your child is not directly telling you, mom, you need to learn patience. Mom, you need to learn how to share your attention. But it's there. That lesson is there. So I think this is a really important one to start with because if we can stay present and aware with our kids, we can learn so much, not just about ourselves, but about them. And they're trying to teach us who they are. The second thing I want to say is the way you suggest how to view life is the way your child will view life. You absolutely have to choose your suggestions with the most attention and awareness possible. Everything you say to your child, they will soak up like a sponge and believe it to be true. Now, they might not believe it forever, but until they're out on their own and can realize that they can believe something different, your child's going to be stuck in that thought process, that pattern of thinking, however you suggest life looks like. So let me give an example of this. I've read a lot about positive suggestion versus negative suggestion. I think by now, anyone who has listened to any other podcast episode of mine knows that I truly believe the way that your life is, is the way that you feel on the inside. So if you are a parent who is jaded, who feels left out to dry, who feels like there's no help anywhere, who feels like we're going to hell in a handbasket, you're going to portray that view of life onto your child. Whether you're consciously doing it or not, the way that you feel about it will read to your child. And that's enough for them to know. If you view your life as blessed and happy and full of love and experience, if you live that way, That's what you're going to suggest, and that's what your child's going to pick up on. So the theory of positive suggestion would be in those little moments when you do have the opportunity to say one way or the other, try and choose the most positive, joyful tone that you can. You might not even believe it yourself, but if you do it more and more, who knows, you might open up to believing it. When I was, I think, 19, I had moved out from under my parents' roof. 
And I remember distinctly having a conversation on the phone about some work quarrel I was going through. And at this point, I kind of realized that not everything my parents said had merit behind it, but I still very much wanted to please and not disobey. So I remember being on the phone, them offering suggestions on how I should handle my work dispute. And for whatever reason, what they said to me just was not hitting the mark. It just, it felt distant from the experience. It felt like they didn't really understand. They were just kind of speaking from their trauma and their negativity. And I, in that moment on the phone, realized I don't have to take their suggestion. I don't have to take that on as my own. Up until then, for 19 years, I must have been taking their suggestions. But when I woke up to the fact that I did not have to do what this parent was telling me to do on the phone about my work trouble, I felt such a sense of relief. I can pick a different way. I want it to get better. I want to feel more positive at my workplace. I want to do X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to find the answer. Now, had my parents raised me with positive suggestion, maybe I would have come to that conclusion on my own a long time prior. But I think over the repetition of always getting negative suggestion in my life, I kind of expected the same answer over and over. So I just started acting that way and behaving that way because I thought that was the way that you viewed life, that you looked at life, that you lived life the way that my parents told me to, and the way that my parents displayed how they lived life. Now I realize I don't have to have that. But wouldn't it be awesome if you could form that positive view of life in your child from as early on as possible? And I can hear people saying, yeah, but that's so naive, or that's not realistic. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is blah, 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 blah. That's true. But you can always find another perspective. You can always find a way out. There is always another way. Let me say it again for the people in the back. There is always another way. So if reviewing life as beautiful and magical and exciting, even in the dull moments, imagine that kid growing into an adult. That kid is going to be the light as an adult around other adults who never got positive suggestion when they were growing up, who never understood that there's another way, there's another perspective. So I think the way that you suggest your view on life is of the utmost importance to your child because that's how they're going to view their life. All right, number three is pretty easy, and I think a lot of our generation, millennials, and maybe the generation above us, has come to realize this is a good thing. We want to have our kids experience as much as possible as often as possible. The reason for experience is to basically broaden their range of mental references. Their mental library, you want it chock full of references from all over the place. The earlier you do this, the better, because then you're going to help connect those dots. So think about it this way. If you're teaching your child about farm animals, 
Maybe you play with farm animal bath toys. That's an experience with farm animals. Maybe you read them farm animal books. That's another experience with them seeing farm animals. Maybe you go see real farm animals. Maybe you watch videos of farm animals. Maybe you learn sounds of farm animals. And you can do this over a wide range of things. So then they start to connect the dots. Oh, these farm animals I play with in the bath. Oh, these farm animals I also saw in person. Oh, they also make this noise. And so, of course, when they're small, this is what you want to focus on. But the experiences grow as the children grow. It's the same with food, with culture, with music, with words and how people respond and react. I'm sure nobody wants their child to go through any quote-unquote bad experiences, but those help round out their idea and their view of life. So if they know that bad's out there, then they'll know how to put their positive suggestion, their positive view of life onto it so that it doesn't drag them down, they don't get caught up in it, and they don't live that way. They have to be able to experience negative so that they understand why positive is the way to go. But in terms of experience, across the board, broadening their senses, their sight, their smell, their touch, their taste, their sound. I put Marlo's feet in soil, planting soil the other day when I was gardening, and she hated it, but she liked the taste of it. It's an experience for her. And then when she goes back to that gardening soil, she'll know. All right, number four. There are endless ways of doing things. There is never, ever, 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 ever one singular way that is right with all else being wrong. I think that, again, being a millennial, I was raised by parents who had this mindset either consciously or not, that there is one right way to do things and a bunch of wrong ways. And that's detrimental in such a sense because then you don't even experience the other ways because you're told they're wrong. And as a kid, when your parent says, hey, don't do that, that's wrong, you're like, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't explore that. And I'm not talking about like lawful right and wrongs. I'm talking about how to do things in general in your daily life, how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, how to swim in the ocean, how to fold a towel, whatever that may be. This is going to help tremendously to settle future anxieties over needing to do things a certain way to please people. First, it's to please your parents, and then because they think that they have to do things a way that somebody else tells them, it's to please other people. And we don't want this in our children. We want our children to be able to foster their own way of doing things because maybe it's a way we've never thought of before that is beneficial to everyone. Number five in my blanket concepts lists of motherhood. We do not own our children. We do not own our children. We are here to help them learn the best version of who they are. We are here to guide them to that version of themselves so that when they are out in the world and they are their own entity and person, they fly, they don't fluster. They have those tools in their toolbox to get through their life. 
sure, we will always be there for them. We will always be present and available for our children. I'm sure as adults, you realize that there are some things you need to do on your own. There are some things you need to figure out by yourself. And wouldn't it be nice if you were well-equipped to do those things? So we want to make sure we're not using our children as our crutch, as our therapist, as our punching bag, as our shield, or anything else. When we project ourselves onto them, there's not enough space for them to be able to find out who they are. They're just wearing all of your projections, and they didn't ask for that. They didn't ask for your projections. They didn't ask for your trauma. They want to walk around free and clear and find out their own life and why it is the way that it is and how it can improve. And you want to be able to foster that within them. But if you're so unconscious that you can't see that you're projecting your fears and your traumas onto your child, They're never going to have space to grow and to learn. So you do not own your children. You're not allowed to put those things onto your children. They didn't ask for it, and it's it's not theirs to have. Which brings me to my final point, number six. If you do not believe in who you are, eventually neither will your child. If you Do not know your own strength, your own peace, your own joy. If you do not know your own blessings, if you do not know your own positive suggestions, you can't be that for your child. You can try. You can definitely try. And they will be able to tell if you're being phony. I'm just saying. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you can kind of look at either a parent, a parental figure, or just somebody older than you, and you can say, yeah, I can see how they haven't worked through their shit. I can see how they're not strong in who they are. That's what we want to get away from. So work on yourself. Work on who you are and who you want to be because your child will follow your lead. I think that's one of the main reasons that I'm doing this. I don't want her to ever look at me and think that I'm an emotional mess. I don't want her to look at me and think, why does my mom have to take things out on me? I want her to look at me as her rock, as her guidance, as her light, and as her home. And in order for her to look at me that way, I have to look at myself that way. Oh, I almost just cried on that last little part. Okay, so let's go back over them. Blanket concepts that I've realized being a mom. You are just as much a student as you are a teacher. The way you suggest how to view life is the way your child will view life. Experience as much as possible as often as possible. There are endless ways of doing things. There is never a singular way that is right with all else being wrong. We do not own our children. We are just here to help them learn to be the best versions of them. If you don't believe in who you are, eventually, neither will your child. I want to round this out by saying thank you to all the moms that do a good job at trying to better themselves first. I think our generation is the first to recognize that we should be doing this, and I think it's a beautiful thing to see. Across the board, whether you believe in breastfeeding or formula, whether you believe in sleep training or not, whether you believe in gentle parenting or not, 
there is the commonality that we all want the best for our children and that's where we start. We're going to grow from there. So in order for you to want the best for your child, you've got to want the best for yourself. I believe in every single mom out there, no matter how you parent, I think that the individuality is the lesson. Every child is different, so every mother has to be different because you are adapting to your human. Last thing is, if you are a mom, don't mom shame. Just don't do it. You're not in their shoes. I know that this is a tale as old as time, but apparently we still see this online. I have read comments about formula feeding versus breastfeeding that are just nasty and awful. And those are the moms whose children are going to view life the way that they view it. And it's just a repeating cycle until you decide to break it. So break that for yourself and for your child. Thank you guys so much for listening to my podcast. I really appreciate it. I think I'm going to put up another suggestions box soon and we'll go from there. So follow me on Instagram at Misty Seibel or email me sweethomesibel at gmail.com. That's all from me today. Thanks for listening to Sweet Home Seibel. Mm-hmm.